Welcome to the Individual Matters Podcast. I'm Andrew Caton. Today I'm joined by Eric Gill, former teacher and founder and CEO of Strong Branch Learning, a tutoring and educational services provider here on Colorado's Western Slope. Great to have you on the show, Eric. Here we are at the start of the fall semester, and you're going to share with us some pointers for kicking off the year so parents and students can make this experience as successful and enjoyable as possible. I know you have a list of them. Why don't you jump into some of those? Yeah, back to school nights. I, I Please go. I think that's so important. If you can't make those nights, then find a way to communicate with your teacher. Just get in front of them. This is especially important if your kiddo is starting a new school. I taught at a sixth grade school, um, and we always had families that were really surprised to learn halfway through the year how different things were. Um, and it's just a lot of information that it seems mundane, but it's actually really important, like how to check grades, how things are going to be turned in, um, how the schedule is going to look and how that affects. We were talking earlier about like even lockers. You know, we had students with lockers and how like that can be a huge component of kids' stress and like how to time that with getting to class on time, what's in between the times. It also helps you sync up. You know, a lot of the kids can have you know, whether it's malicious or not, sometimes kids have a separation from reality of like what's really going on. And then you can kind of really find that median um, and then have really honest conversations with your kids. And they tell you like, oh, this didn't happen because this or that. Um, there's so many stats that show the strong correlation between attending after school, um, you know, back to school nights or talking to families uh, and teachers having those conversations together. Um, so it between all of that and just the stats alone, I really just encourage families to go. And you taught middle school. Yeah, I taught middle school. Okay, so did they do like a walker or a, a class schedule walkthrough or anything like that where they can actually go try on their day or you know actually open their locker, look inside, figure out how things are going to work, that kind of hands-on component? We would have that on the first day of school like as a school, like with our class, but we never had that directly in the after-school uh, days. So if your kid has questions from that first day where everything's overwhelming, you know, like who's in my class? Where can I go? Um, and it's it's so much. I think going back to their locker and we would see kids try. I, I think I got it. I think I got like it's a 27. And, da, 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 and you're just showing them three times to the left. It's kind of like a retro. So for some folks, it can be a fun like retro. Like, hey, this is how a combination looks like. This is still the same. Yeah. Um, so you can enjoy that component if you wanted to find things that to look forward to for those. Because I know for some families, this is a, a really tough time to go back to school because maybe you didn't enjoy school. And I think that another reason why it's important to go back, kind of face those demons and get over that because it's really important for your kid to see you go through that and for you to be able to know how to guide them through that. And you'll see that as an adult, it's different. It really is. I know it can feel that way uh, later on in the year where your kid's in trouble, you feel like you're in trouble. And I, I, I think there, there's a lot of teachers that really do a lot to try and counter that feeling because we know that that can come across that way. Some teachers aren't great at that, I'll be honest. Um, but on the beginning of school, when it's a fresh start, that's a really great opportunity to just change your narrative and your child's narrative on what school looks like. Yeah, that's an excellent perspective. Um, yeah, we were just talking before I hit the record button about all the anxiety around starting the new year, um, perspectives or thoughts that adults might not think about that are going through kids' minds. Like, like you said, just how do I work the locker? How do I get the combination open? How am I going to get from class to class? What do my teachers look like? Where you know all these questions? This allows them to try it on after the summer break and kind of trans make that big transition. Yeah, it, it's a great 
case study for how to just overcome problems because that's really what a lot of the beginning of the school year is. If you notice a lot of questions you get, especially in our younger students, is just tell us about yourself because we want you to know how to spell your name. We want you to know how to describe or spell your favorite things or put a sentence together. The questions are particularly easy because we just want that engagement to be there. We want to see kids start having that success of overcoming a challenge. Uh, things like that locker situation alone is, is a huge one. And back to school night is a chance to learn about other opportunities and resources that are available too. Yeah, I, I know that a lot of families that they feel like they're, we talked about the families that are afraid of school because their kid maybe hasn't done well, or maybe you as a parent didn't do well. It, it can be scary to go back to school. And that's a great opportunity for you to change the narrative. On the flip side, there's a lot of families that go um, and or don't go because they feel like their kid's great. Like, oh, my kid always does great. I don't know if I need to go. I think that's really just selling your kiddo short because you want to be able to find out what the extracurricular activities are and to understand what is the dynamic for a successful kid in the class because you want to know, is your kid going to be essentially, quote unquote, burdened? By the fact that they finish work earlier, they're going to get 10 extra more redundant problems, right? Or can you find ways to guide your kiddo into programs or extracurricular activities or maybe even encourage the teacher to have activities that give a rewarding yet challenging experience for the kid that finishes early that gets the content much quicker? Um, A lot of the times the default is, yes, you know, oh, we have helpers in the classroom or something like that. And that's great. And I think every kid should try and strive to get better at something like that. But again, also, I think it's important for kids to also be able to like just nerd out really on something that they're really excited about, something they want to build, something they want to create um, and, and going to school and seeing what those programs can look like. And also having a very clear picture of what does the challenge program look like if you're in the school district, for instance, or what it takes to get into honor programs, AP, like making sure that we're taking all the right steps to be able to get into those programs down the road or immediately and be best prepared for them. Uh, Across the spectrum, as a teacher, I can just tell you that every family would benefit from going to a back-to-school night or having that conversation uh, with their teacher, whether no no matter where you are academically successful. Um, And I, I also know that I have a story where halfway through the year, we had a child that we had a back, it was missing work, and we finally got mom to come in because she's super busy, and we understand that. Um, but during that conversation, it turned from, oh, your kid's missing some work to we don't have any of your health records. We realize that your kid is, has like severe allergies, has some pretty um, severe reactions to them. And none of that came through because we're in sixth grade. Sometimes if you're coming from a different school district or if, you know, health issues cause you uh, from being at school as often as you like, those documents simply just don't get to us. And just confirming with your counselors, your teachers that everything that is important for your kid's data Uh, and their health records are present and in the building is another reason alone to just go. Excellent. What's your next tip for us? Um, I I, uh, forgot to mention, too, I think about how it's important to uh, know who your counselors are on back-to-school nights. I think we talked earlier about having those health records in place and making sure they're there are really important reasons alone to go back to school and to, to meet with teachers and meet with counselors. Also, these counselors have amazing access to all the resources in your area, your county, your district. For anyone that's looking for extracurricular support, academic support, such as tutoring, um, you know, resources for families that are low income, uh, everything from, you know, things to help with housing, to help, you know, make sure you have what you need in your house, um, as well as those structural supports for your kiddo outside of the school hours. 
they have really good access to that and information and insight on that. So that also helps them help your kid better throughout the year because those are preventative things, kind of like that ounce of prevention is going to avoid that pound of cure um, by being able to um, have all those things from the jump. And then you're not playing catch up later on in the year. You're just starting strong. So attend back to school night, connect with your counselors, and then you have some ideas about how parents can help design and scaffold a consistent study homework routine. Yeah, I I think uh, that ties in well with what we spoke on when it comes to back to school nights. These teachers and these counselors, they love speaking with families. This is a great, we really are excited to see families, especially in the beginning of the year, um, because we know how much of an effort that is. And one thing you can collaborate with the uh, teacher that you as a parent can implement at home for homework practice is asking them what homework looks like um, and what are some resources that they can use to start building that independence in homework. In the beginning of the school year, I, I mentioned earlier that. We want to ask simpler questions to just go through the process of overcoming a challenge. That's what the beginning of the year really wants to look like for your homework routine. It's it's getting together. It's all right. Let's open up the backpack. All right. Does it already look like a you know like a rat's nest in there? Let's start fixing that up if needed. Um, and let's see what kind of things are we typically coming home with. What are things that need to go back to school? And just the backpack alone is a great place to start. Like, let's just look at that. You don't want to overlook that. I think it's a very simple thing, too. Um, Once you start looking into the planner, you start looking through the folders. Okay, how is this being organized? And uh, what are the assignments? There's probably something you got to sign and send back. Let's see how that's already been placed into this kiddo's folder. What can be done better? What do they think they can be done better? That's the best question to start first. Like, let's start empowering our kid to think of their own solutions because it won't feel like, ah, mom, just let me do what I got to do. You know, like it, it's like, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, all right, great. This is for you um, to figure out for yourself. And then you can be that resource to kind of be that final, like, all right, you, you tried this. And then now let's try what I was thinking if at the end of the day. And they've gone through that pain. You now have that. Um, you know, that background of them experiencing a tough time and then appreciating your relief as you give them that. Um, It's easier said than done. It's not fun to see your kids struggle. You know, starting right away after school, like let's just get it done. A lot of families find that being super helpful. If they are in sports, really just starting to use a calendar. Like this is, you know, they have those planners. A lot of these kids, if they have technology, they um, have even in their Google uh, suites from school, like, you know, their district accounts or whatever, you can use a calendar and you can really just show them how to start booking things um, on there uh, and time manage and, and find that time. And then you commit to that time, you follow through on that time and you reward for that time. But then there's also has to be, you know, positive and negative consequences for following through or not following through on that. So it seems like there is a, there's a lot of, this isn't just kids going back to school. This is a family going back to school. There's a oh, lot yeah. of parent involvement here, I right there, right, th- right through the whole process. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely okay. a team effort. So start out with the backpack, maybe lay it out, open it up on the kitchen table, go through everything, maybe have your student explain to you as a parent what it all is and how it all goes together. And maybe they can, they'll actually understand the system a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then as far as, Getting back into a routine after school, as you mentioned, kids are busy, they have sports and all these other extracurriculars. How can parents actually put into place and scaffold their, their, their students of whatever age to sit down, get the homework done, avoid distractions, you know, get their bags packed you know, from beginning to end? Do you have any tips around that? Yeah, I, I, the first that comes to mind is it goes back to the, I love what you said, the family's going back to school. 
And I think it's way easier said than done, but having your home be distraction free, TVs off, you know, this is a time where we just recognize that the home is being leveraged as a place of productivity right now. Let's make sure that, you know, if you need something to eat, you need something to, to drink, that's great. That's there for the kids. Um, but that, you know, you're maybe working on something yourself that you want to get better at, you know, if you're not directly helping them with their homework and, and just facilitating that full on learning environment. Uh, we're a tutoring company. So we know that a lot of the times our first conversation with families um, is, hey, like we were trying to have the lesson. We're trying to have this lesson. Um, we notice that the TV's off in the background and we see it. The kid will look up. The, ki- the kid will uh, kind of just zone out. Um, so I think just setting that precedent and getting that habit done for everybody will be a huge um, step in that direction. Do parents, should they have a conversation with their kids at the beginning of this process to help foster buy-in and their input in terms of what that study or homework routine should look like? Like, how, how does that go? Yeah, I, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, where especially the older your child gets, we know that they really value their own sense of independence and being able to accomplish things for themselves. You know, they have, whether it's conscious or subconscious, definitely uh, high levels of subconscious, is you know, I'm going to be on my own at some point. And that's the more they feel that way, whether they recognize it or not, is the more rebellious they get. And way easier said than done as always. But, you know, when a a child has the opportunity to fail on their own, they're going to be more receptive to the feedback of others when they start giving them solutions. If you keep trying to keep them from running into a wall, you know, metaphorically speaking, um, and you keep doing that and doing that, uh, it, it builds resentment. And it doesn't allow them to start figuring out how to solve things for themselves, which is ultimately what you want as well whenever they're, you know, down the road, out of the house. So some folks, it's sooner than later. Of course. And I'll echo what you said. All of this is easier said than done. I, I know, having been a, a teacher and as a parent, I know that a lot of this is easier said than done. It takes work and it's not perfect. And it's, you know, it's always a, a process. Uh, let's get into kind of the nitty gritty. So if a, if a parent has a conversation with their child and they're trying to figure out what time of the afternoon or evening or weekend they should do their homework. Do you have any recommendations around what times are best? Should they break up homework into different sessions? How do you come about designing a homework or a, a homework schedule, a study schedule that works for the child and is realistic, productive, et cetera? Yeah, earlier the better. You know, we know we won't even work with some students after a certain time because we recognize it's just too much. Um, a certain continuous length can also be a great conversation point, you know, asking a student, uh, asking your child, like, all right, if it takes us this long, you know, like, what do you, if we're really being productive in this hour, and, and that's another nitty gritty conversation point right there, what is being consistently productive look like? You know, yes, you can work on a homework assignment for 35 minutes, 45 minutes, but if it shows that you're on your Chromebook looking up, you know, like uh, the the newest Roblox, you know, uh, you know, you know, whatever, you know, reward or something, then yeah, it's it's that's not being productive. But if you're able to, you know, you're you're staring at a problem, you're looking at it, you're trying to figure it out, then actually breaking off and coming back to it is one of the best practices that you can have. Uh, for a kiddo. So yeah, maybe after 30 minutes of productive work, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, um, those very clear increments of time, uh, then yeah, you can have that. All right, let's, let's give the dog a walk. Let's go ahead and, you know, um, get get some type of brain break going. uh, And then that could be really helpful. And that's going to be more gauged on how you're trying to, to help your kiddo. And I think you want to also have in those conversations, 
right now is it 10 minutes? All right, what does it look like for us to be able to increase that down the road? Let's have that expectation that we're going to get better at this. Um, so that way it doesn't feel so much like a crutch and it's something that they just start learning because the kids are going to learn how to leverage that um, in the wrong way at times too. Sure. So you, uh, once again, this is a, it's a shared discussion. It's a process. You try some things out figure out what works, figure out what doesn't, make adjustments accordingly. Yeah, and it can be, you know, you can set the parameters for what the boundaries are. Like, all right, we need to have it done before, you know, 6 p.m. because we know that everyone's, you know, we know that we know you, you know you, your brain's going to shut off at that point. So what can we do to make sure this is all done before 6 p.m. in a way that's going to help you uh, be as successful and accurate on your homework as possible as well? Kids are busy. Their schedules change from day to day throughout the week. Do you find that having a consistent time and place to do your homework is important or are kids able to juggle these schedules? And because, you know, I've asked my kids, where, where do you want to learn or where do you want to study? What works for you? Do you want to do it right when you get home or do you want to do it before bed or whatever? And they say it's just different. You know, if the, maybe they want to try to do it while the other one's getting a music lesson or they want to do it while... You know, they're over here at school after hours for some extracurricular. How important is it that they implement that that same schedule and follow it? I mean, you know, like how do you manage that flexibility and, and still keep them accountable? Or how do they keep themselves accountable in those situations? Yeah, you, you know, it's it's generally seen that when the students have that same time, same uh, day, it's that it really helps that consistency really helps students do struggle to go back and forth but the reality is you're right they have these different obligations that pull them and that's good like that shows them how to manage their time and the beauty is with now this technology that can feel overwhelming you know what we talked about being after school and it can we can learn how to log into the grades and how to check your kids grades and make sure you have your kids login information i know that there's usually parent accounts for like schoology or something like that if you know your kids login account um it's really important because it usually functions better from a software perspective, but also it's easy for you to just turn the computer around and be like, okay, this assignment's missing. Click on that and go right to the assignment where on parents, you can't do that. You can't work on uh, through that account. So um, with all that said, you know, when it comes to when the moments come and you have to shift your schedule, it's one of those opportunities to follow up on that. How did that assignment go? Like what was the score on that? Did we make sure that it was turned in? Um, and then from there, you can gauge and celebrate. And as long as you have that set up, like, all right, we're going to switch our homework to a different time and day. I, I understand, like, let's get this practice out of the way. But understand that we the expectation is still the same, that the homework is done at this quality um, within this amount of time. And then you follow up on that. And if the, you know, if the consequences that they did, they followed through on it, that's awesome. Let's celebrate that and let's find ways to keep that going. And if not, there is that honest conversation you have where, hey, we said this was going to happen. You know, we tried our best. I understand you wanting to switch, shift the schedule, but uh, we just weren't able to pull that off yet. So let's see about us sticking back to our normal schedule um, or trying that in a different way. But we definitely can't do the same thing twice uh, and keep making that same mistake. Okay. So shoot for routine predictability as much as possible, understanding that there's going to be fluctuations throughout the week. You're having that discussion up front. That discussion never ends. You're always adjusting. Always. You're always learning from your failures. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a spot at home, like a certain spot that you stick with, whether it's in your room, whether it's in, it sounds like probably a, a quiet spot free of distractions um, where you have all the materials that you need available to you. So you're not getting up and sharpening your pencil or going to try to find paper or whatever. It's all right there. Um, and then do you, how do students, um, cause we work with a lot of kids with executive functioning. That's a big issue. Mm -hmm. How do kids, or do you have any tips for how to initiate, uh, 
how to plan out their, if they're going to be studying for one hour, what do they need to do? How do they know what to do first? You know, where do they prioritize those kinds of things? Yeah, I think starting off with the simple things first. I, I, when it comes to kids finding success, let's see that volume first. You know, in that sense, putting quantity over quality. So what's the, what are they feeling most comfortable with um, is a great way if, if you really know that they have to work independently more than not. If it's a situation where you can start off with them and you have that beginning of the hour that you can help them on the homework, then let's address what their number one concerns are. And you that's a great opportunity to once again empower your student. All right, you don't like history, you don't like English, which but you like math. Of these three assignments that you have, which one do you want to work on with me? And you would be surprised how quickly they, maybe that first time they won't, but it won't take long before you start seeing them want to have the homework that they don't like being done first with you because they recognize they have that resource. Um, and then, okay, look, you're great at math. Let's make sure we now practice that. Okay, let's have you practice finishing things on your own, that independent work, um, it, and you can build that skill as well, leveraging their strength to overcome maybe a weakness. Okay, so look at strengths and interests and emphasize that. Um, too often, probably, we ask kids to get started on something, whether it be homework or something else, and there's a reluctance or what seems to be a, um, a resistance when, in fact, they might not know how to get started. They, they don't know what to do. They really don't. So yeah. maybe looking at an area of interest and, and going from there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and starting off, I think it's very easy for parents to, because look, you're busy. You want to get it done by this time. You want them to get it done by this time. But again, especially in the beginning of the year, just setting that precedent of we want to do this the right way. So down the road, it does get done as efficiently as you would like. You may not get to exactly what you want on the first day. Who does with anything really? Um, it, let's let's make sure that we're having these students ask the right questions too. You don't know where to start. What what are you thinking? And really trying to get past the I don't know and just throw your hands up. Like just even if you give me a wild guess, uh, it, you just tell me what do you think you're supposed to do or what is what is the one word in the instructions that's really just you know, glazing your eyes over. You're really just not having any idea of what you're saying. Um, and from there, you start addressing that. And now you're not just, you know, muscling them through homework anymore. You're really just empowering them to figure out how to start for themselves. And yes, that's going to take you a lot longer today. But once your kid knows how to do their homework on their own halfway through the year, because they've now gotten used to, all right, no one's going to read that first sentence for me. No one's going to spoon feed me the instructions. Then they're going to just feel confident. They're going to be, you know, uh, having that pattern set in their mind for success on uh, finishing that, starting that homework on a very strong note. So when you think about distractibility, getting stumped, getting off task, do you have any tips for how students should Think about what needs to be done over this homework session. How do they track their progress through the session? How do they know when they're getting off track? How do they know when they're done? What's worked for, for you with your students? Yeah, we, you know, with our younger students, stickers are great. So you can get like a, we have like, it's just a very simple pack of like a hundred star stickers. And you could, you know, it's kids like they, they put on their foreheads, you know, so that's a great place to put it. Um, we had a student the other day just counting on his forehead, just, he just kept touching one, two, three. Um, and then for other students, you know, other visuals could be great. You can even make it math related where you can see like a number line being filled on in. 
Um, and then also just taking a moment to pause and celebrate the volume of work that you've done. Like, all right, let's take a look at, you know, we're halfway through this page. Look how many wrote, uh, words you wrote. Um, and just being conscious of that and reflecting that as you go about, I think are great ways to, to kind of show that progress and show them. Uh, and it's not just, oh, you didn't get, oh, look how much work you did too. It's, you know, remember this question you were really difficult about uh, having a difficult time on and you got past it. Remember this word, you didn't know how to read it. Now you know how to read it. Um, you know, those, you want to get as specific as possible with your feedback so that they know the exact action steps they need to take on the next problem. That's going to allow them to keep, just keep, you know, just that momentum going. Sure. So they get through their homework, whether it be a half an hour, an hour. And do you, do you typically find that, uh, it's more helpful to work until all homework is done, or do you set a certain time that you're going to work, you know, a length of study time that you're going to try to hit an hour, half an hour, whatever. Yeah. I'm definitely in the school of, you know, if it's reasonable, let's try and get the homework done. And I think that, you know, it's, it's the the lack of determination. A lot of students have shows up a lot nowadays um, in the classroom when we see that. And, you know, I, I really would recommend if you can get through it all. Now, if it's really unreasonable and it's starting to affect their sleep time, their time to be connected with family, that's great. But if you're ending it early and all the kid's going to go do is, you know, you know, you know, just, you know, fry their brain on a, on a video game or something like that, I, I'd really recommend that you just find ways to have them understand that the, the work's not done and there's a consequence to that. Um, and, you know, they have to do as much as they can or they, once it's finished. Um, and you also want to be specific with the quality of work that they're turning in because you just don't want their kids writing their name for all 15 questions about the presidents, you know, like it, it, it's got to be the answers should be the presidents, right? Um, and you, those are those are things I really recommend. But having those timed standards can also help the kiddo recognize that this isn't going to last forever. You know, like, hey, let's see how much we can get done in 15 minutes and then take a break. How much can we get done in the next 15 minutes and then take a break? Um, and uh, then once all the work itself is done, they can go on to their individual, you know, enjoyment time. Sure. And then they can also, I guess, track their own. When you talk about self-monitoring, task monitoring, how much did I get done? Wow, it's already been an hour and I've read three pages. And then, yeah, I guess it gives you some good data then to say, okay, how successful was this and do we need to tweak something? So let me ask you this. How do students know when they're done with their homework? And how do parents know when they're done with their homework? And is there a way to bookend that so that, you know, sometimes it just sort of homework session just drifts off into TV or to chores or whatever else. How do you know when the homework's done, school's done for the day? Here's how we celebrate that and move on or, or whatever. Great. Yeah, most kids don't know when their homework's done or they f- they try to definitely get the bare minimum uh, accomplished when they are capable of more and you know that and they know that. Homework's done when you, I, you it actually starts from the beginning. What are the expectations you're going to have? I have some students where it's like if we can get one word answers that this kid is spelling out themselves for all 10 of these questions, this kid's done. That's great. He had a great homework session. For other students, you're looking for that complete sentence or that combining of two sentences. So I'm, I'm, you wanna, you'll know the homework is done when they've reached the expectations you set at the beginning of the assignment, um, and then you know you go over it together. What I'm really hearing from everything you're saying is this is a hands-on activity for parents. Yeah, this is not go do your homework. Let me know when you're done. Everything that you're talking about that I that that I'm hearing is. From the very get-go, from organizing your backpack at the beginning of the school year to helping design this schedule and routine to going through and helping with task monitoring, initiation, prioritizing work, 
um, organizing all your materials, finding a place to study and a time, figuring out if your homework's done, how to you know bookend that at the end of the, the, the session. All of this requires eyes-on, hands-on supervision by parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that it can definitely feel like for some parents it can be frustrating to hear that because it sounds like we're asking you to be a teacher when we're not asking you to be subject master. We don't need... That's a thing too that I would love to dispel. We p- teachers don't expect the homework to come back perfect. Um, we don't even want it to every time because we know that then maybe the parents did too much. We just this is a great opportunity to have your kid learn how to take on real life tasks that come to us as adults in the real world. Like this, this is a microcosm of that. As was what I think is the most important thing in school. Like I'm a math teacher. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of concepts that once you're done putting it on the test, you're not going to see it again. Let's be honest. But the process of going through learning a math concept for, you know, real life is important. You do need to learn a formula from time to time to recognize how to organize your taxes or something like that, how to sit down through your taxes that time of year. And it's like not a fun time, but you got to get through it. These are things you want your kid to know how to do. And learning how to get through your homework is this synonym for that. And uh, that's where uh, I, I would just really encourage families to see that this is a great parenting opportunity, not you trying to be, you know, a physics teacher or a physics expert or, um, you know, a literature, you know, you know, Nobel Prize winner. We just want you to help so show your kid accountability um, and just how to you know, track that growth. I think that's a golden takeaway for this this session as we wrap things up. This is a parenting moment working with children on their homework not necessarily a subject matter uh, uh, effort or a subject matter uh, process. It's being a good parent, being involved. And as you said at the beginning, and I echoed it, it, this is all easier said than done. Everybody's got busy schedules. You know, there's always stuff that comes up. There's always challenges. You have good days, bad days. But this is something to shoot for as a parenting moment. So maybe if I'm, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying, even if you just focus on that, that's a success. Yeah. And definitely it's one of those that the more you do now, it will be easier down the road, you know, throughout the year. Yeah, this is all this is all great stuff. Is there anything else you want to share before we kind of wrap things up? Um, when it, it I, I, when it comes to the beginning of the school year, honestly, no, I, I feel like, you know, this is uh, I'm just really grateful for you having me on and like us being able to share this information. Yeah, likewise. This is this is fantastic. So, again, just to circle back to what your company is Strong Branch Learning. You're located here in Western Colorado. You're the founder. I'm looking at your business card. Your founder, nerd, CEO. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you do. Well, tell us a little bit about which uh, Strong Branch Learning does. Yeah, we are folks that come into the home or to go online with our secondary students uh, it, when that's uh, the best option, whatever is best for the student, um, whether it's online or in person, to help them with that support of that executive function, that that building of their confidence and their ability to do their homework. Um, if we can get the, all the homework done in an hour, that's great. But that, that means is that in that hour, the kid did a lot of the work themselves. A lot of the time, especially with our older students, we're really just showing them how to do the three different types of questions that they're getting on their homework. And then it's up to them to use the tools that we're unlocking for them, like how to really use you know, a Khan Academy video, how to really use something like Symbolab or Desmos to really start you know, building their independence and troubleshooting a problem and getting uh, through that. 
Um, and then also showing them their confidence and their ability in math, mathematic, you know, or any subject, but math is obviously a huge one for a lot of kids. Um, so I, I tend to lean on that for examples, but you know, when students come to this, like, Oh, I'm bad at this, or um, I'm not smart or th things like that. Um, we're really ones to have those conversations with them, show them that progress that we should like, Hey, after a half hour, we've done this much. Now we can start counter arguing those thoughts that we have in mind, that negative self-talk. So you support subject matter, subject matter tutoring, but also, as you're saying, these are like successful learning skills. These are executive functioning skills. These are, organ you know, all of this stuff together, figuring out where the student is in their learning and how you can support them from a, from a global perspective, it sounds like. Yeah, and it's all based on their student interest. Uh, what we really find our success is every lesson's foundation is understanding what the kid cares about, what their goals are. Um, and that that's all grade levels. You know, when it's elementary kiddos, a lot of the time they're just looking to have fun. So we have really fun enrichment games, math games, spelling games where they get to run around with polydots. Um, and it's our uh, older kids. They have a much better understanding of the future and what their goals are, what they want to be when they grow up or if they don't know what they want to be to grow up. We have a lot of folks that we know uh, and we have as tutors that are have that same journey of going through school, not sure where they want to go, but they understand that there's a lot of things that you can still unlock in that future. You have more avenues in that future when you are successful in school and are able to follow through on the tasks that you're being assigned. Um, so one way or the other, it's about, you know, tying all of that into the lessons. Like it's not just learning seventh grade math so you can be ready for eighth grade. It's getting ready for seventh grade math because if you like video games, linear equations are what people use to make, you know, the video games that you like to play, that you like to watch, um, and the animation as well. And whatever your interests are, we tie that into uh, the, the lessons themselves. Making it relevant, Absolutely. important, applied, yeah. It has to be meaningful. We that, understand that, that people learn a lot better. I mean, how many people you can remember yourself, like people say that, oh, I'm not good at math, I'm not good at math, but the second you became an adult and you needed it for something, it's like, oh, it clicked a lot faster than it ever did when you're in a meaningless environment for uh, the first time you learned how, an equation or something like that. So we want to bring that meaning right to our students. That sounds awesome. So for parents listening to this who want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, you know, I think giving us a call or an email is, uh, is best, whatever is best for you. Um, so our phone number is 970-623-6517. Um, or you can email me, eric, at strongbranchlearning.com, and uh, we'd be happy to connect. We're, uh, we're on Google. You can uh, Google uh, Tutors in Town and, or Strong Branch Learning, and you'll find us, and uh, we'd be happy to help. Awesome. And I'll include all that in the show notes and description as well. Right. Um, this is great, Eric. Thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Andrew. This is great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so grateful that you all have been so open. I can tell how much you all care about the kids that you help because you all were so welcoming to me as I, I literally just walked in the door and I'm trying to learn about all the resources in our community. And once you you know, found out that I was there, you all welcomed me very, very warmly and let me know everything that you're doing. And we just had uh, an awesome conversation for, I think, over an hour just sharing the different resources that we know that are in this community. So I'm just really grateful to know you. Well, it's super nice to know that professionals like you are here in Western Colorado. Um, I mean, that's just great. Our, our students need it, and, and it's going to be really, really valuable. So thanks for coming on. Let's do it again. Absolutely. That's it from us today. As always, you can find more information as well as resources on our website, individualmatters.org. We hope you'll join us at the next podcast, where we'll continue to explore topics around successful living, learning and education, and child development, and share ways to help you live a more positive and fulfilling life. Thank you.
The preceding information is not intended to provide or serve as medical, clinical, or educational advice. Individual Matters is not responsible for the accuracy of guest statements. All information should be validated independently. Please consult with your doctor, mental health provider, attorney, or other appropriate professionals before making any personal decisions for yourself or those in your care.